Several years ago, the airport in Houston had a problem. They were getting an unusually high number of complaints from passengers about the wait time to get their luggage after they got off a flight. So the executives, they get together and they look at the issue and they decide, let's hire more baggage handlers. This should, this should help. And it did. The average wait time it took for a passenger to get his or her bags was reduced to eight minutes, which is actually the industry average. But it didn't solve the problem. The complaints stayed at the unusually high level. So they go back to the drawing board. And then it dawned on them what the problem was. You know, the way the airport was designed, it took about one minute, about one minute to walk from your arrival gate to baggage claim. And remember, it takes eight minutes to get your luggage. So that meant seven minutes of standing around baggage claim waiting. So they reorganized the whole airport. Would have been a big undertaking. And what resulted was that now it took six or seven minutes to walk from the arrival gate to baggage claim and one or two minutes to wait for one's stuff. The wait time was the same. It was still eight minutes. But complaints plummeted to near zero because most of that time was spent walking. You know, this story shows how much we dislike waiting. Even though it's a part of life, even though it's one of the earliest lessons we're taught as children, wait your turn. Be patient and wait for your turn. We dislike waiting even though it's a part of life. Now, most of the time, our waiting isn't a big deal. We're talking inconveniences, a line at the post office, you know, a slow uh, line in the grocery store, waiting for some package to come that's overdue, inconveniences. However, there is a type of waiting which goes beyond frustration with, with lines. It's a waiting for the fulfillment of a promise. And it's the type of waiting that we see throughout the generations in the Old Testament. And I would dare say it's the type of waiting God asks of us all. In our first reading, uh, we get a prophecy from Micah, a prophet who lived about the same time as Isaiah. So we're talking 700 years before the birth of Christ. And he promises, or prophesies, I should say, a Messiah king. And he tells us something interesting. He, he presents this Messiah king as having two origins, okay? On the one hand, he tells us he's from Bethlehem. Bethlehem, which is the hometown and birthplace of David. So it's a way of saying that when this great Messiah king comes, he will be an heir to the throne of David. He will be in David's line. But he also says that this Messiah king, his origin is from of old, from ancient times. It's a way of saying that mysteriously, this Messiah King is also divine. One of the titles for God in the Old Testament is Ancient of Days. And another way to translate that, this particular verse from our first reading is to say his origin is from eternity, from days of eternity. Who could fulfill this but Jesus Christ, who is 
truly man, truly human from David's line, born in Bethlehem, but also the eternal Son of God, begotten, not made. God himself in the flesh. And Micah says that when this divine and human Messiah King is born, the rest of the kindred will return, those exiled people will return home. He will shepherd his flock and his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he shall be peace. It's a very comforting promise. But remember, 700 years will pass before this prophecy is fulfilled with the birth of Christ. Let's put that in context, 700 years. Our nation is not even 250 years old. Generation upon generation upon generation would have been born, matured, died, and the next generation taken over. All in Israel, all waiting, and waiting with trust that God would fulfill his promises. God who cannot deceive nor be deceived would not abandon him. He would fulfill his promises. And I'd venture to say that St. Elizabeth, who we see in our gospel, she epitomizes this watching and waiting, trusting and believing of Israel. And she had grown old watching and waiting, but never losing hope, never giving in to despair, trusting that in God's good time, he would send this Messiah King to scatter Israel's enemies and bring about this kingdom of God. And then suddenly, Elizabeth encounters two miracles. A woman who was, uh, had never conceived, had never been pregnant, was, it's, it's implied that she was beyond childbearing years. She conceives a son, John the Baptist, who will prepare the way for the Messiah will be the precursor and forerunner of Christ. Secondly, as we see in our gospel, Elizabeth is visited by her cousin, the Blessed Virgin Mary, who will be the mother of this divine Messiah King, who is at that point the mother of this divine Messiah King. Elizabeth recognizes that in Mary, God's promise is fulfilled when she says, how does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Right? Elizabeth symbolizes Israel waiting for the fulfillment of this promise. And Mary, in a very real sense, symbolizes that fulfillment. The fulfillment of this expectation and promise, not just for Israel, but for all of mankind. And then, of course, it's worthwhile to contemplate that final line in our gospel today. Blessed are you who believed that what would, was promised, that was spoken to you by the Lord, would be fulfilled. That's what Elizabeth says to Mary. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And the angel Gabriel told Mary she was to be the mother of this divine Messiah King. She trusted and believed and said, thy will be done. We probably will not be blessed with some angelic visitation in our life, but God has nonetheless spoken to us 
in his revelation. In his son in sacred scripture and tradition, he tells us of his plan for salvation. And he promises that in the end, all things will be made new. All things will be restored in Christ. And until that time, we are asked to watch and wait, to trust, to believe, and to hope. You know, in, in less than a week, we celebrate Christmas, uh, this great feast day that is a symbol that God is faithful to his promises, that he doesn't forget them, that he can't deceive nor be deceived, and he doesn't abandon us. It should give us hope in these final days of Advent that no matter how dark times may seem, how difficult problems may be, no matter how many different COVID-19 variants we'll have to endure, God is good. He keeps his promises. And for those who watch and wait, for those who believe that what was spoken to them by the Lord, paradise awaits.